I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi, welcome to the Kai's Podcast. In this episode, I sat down with internationally recognised cartoonist and caricaturist Graham Bandera. His work has seen him portray footballers, celebrities and politicians. In this episode, we talk about family, we talk about politics, we talk about our favourite gangster movies and how each of these things has had an effect on his life and has framed the way in which he draws and illustrates. I hope you enjoyed this one as much as we did. My name's Tim Bosworth, and this is The Kindness Podcast. Hi, welcome to The Kindness Podcast. My guest today is internationally recognised cartoonist, caricature... caricature <laughs> we, we could actually keep going, but uh, it's, uh, it's ca- a caricaturist. It's, it's a hard one to say. It's even worse to, to spell. Well, yeah, absolutely. And um, uh, an illustrator, I should say, uh, Graham Bandera. Um, his work has seen him portray footballers, celebrities, politicians, and, and everything in between. Um, I think for me, what is interesting uh, about my next guest is how he frames the world he lives in through his art. Um, I really do believe you're going to enjoy this one, and, and I know I certainly am. Uh, Graham Bandera, welcome to the Kindness Podcast. Nice one. Thank you very much, Tim. No, pleasure to be pleasure. here. No, absolute pleasure. Um, now, I think for those individuals listening, in order for them to get an understanding of a style or a framework of your art, um, the way in which I was trying to describe it would be similar to... Um, the English cartoonist who would do Matilda or The Boy in the Dress or the BFG, etc. Uh, yeah. And his name escapes me. Remind me of the cartoonist. Uh, Quinton Blake. Quinton Blake, exactly. So where did this love affair with art and creativity come from? Since I was about two, three-year-old, when I was able to hold a crayon and draw on the walls or the curtains, <laughs> I used to see what I could get away with. And yeah. uh, ever since then, I've always had a pen pencil, paintbrush in my hand. It's just something that I find therapeutic um, and creative. And I like, I just like to draw. And at that age, did you know you were good at drawing or you, you were doing it because you... Was... I was doing it uh-huh. purely because I enjoyed it. Yeah. Yes. It was like I say, it, it wasn't therapeutic at such a young age, but as you get older, you find that it does become more therapeutic. When I was a lot younger, it was just done because I enjoyed it and mm-hmm. probably to be a little bit mischievous as well, which possibly in, in, in later life is why I'm still mischievous, sort of, you know, doing politicians and, and, and stuff. So there's, there's parallels there, I think. So the name itself, because we're, we're talking and we're recording this in uh, North Yorkshire in Harrogate, yet the name Bandera, where, where does that name and, and origin uh, come from? The name Bandeira comes from Sao Paulo in Brazil. It's okay. Portuguese, yes. and it was from my great-grandfather, okay. who was in the Merchant Navy in mm-hmm. Sao Paulo, Yes, and he eventually sailed across and settled in a place called Cargo Fleet in Middlesbrough, which is an industrial estate just on the port, 
Um, I believe after doing various amounts of research, he was a, a rum smuggler. Good so enough. my hope was that he was on the run because that's kind of cool, isn't it? <laughs> Very much so. And have you had the opportunity to travel to uh, São Paulo? I haven't. No, that's that's definitely a bucket list uh, location. I'd love to go to Brazil. I've been to Portugal quite a few times. That's that's a beautiful country. Uh Um, But Brazil is is definitely up there. I'd love to go to Rio. And tell me, so take me back to those those early years. Uh, Are you an only child? Are you one of one many? I'm an only child. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And how Um, did you uh, how did you find that growing up? I found it quite good, actually. Yeah, yeah. Again, it, it's as you get older. I would have loved a brother or a sister, um, but when you when you're young, free, and able to do what you want when you want, it's it's great. It's quite liberating. And you say young, free, liberating, be able to do what you want. Did we, you find that because you were an only child? And I uh, sort of gone. Go no, on. no. When I say do what I want, obviously my parents did have boundaries and rules which I adhered to, and uh, I'm, I'm I'm very grateful for that because yes. I think I've turned out okay. And uh, my parents actually divorced when I was seven year old. Uh-huh. So I actually lived with my mum, you know, throughout my well, eight, nine, 10 teenage years. And, and then how left. was that for you? It was, it was quite normal. Um, I saw my dad very regularly, um, still see him very regularly now. So nothing's really changed. And if you look at the world now, it's quite, it's quite normal. It's quite common, you know, commonplace mm. in schools where mm-hmm. children are from, from broken families. So back then it was a little bit, terrifying at school um you didn't really want anybody to find out that you were you know you from a a broken family but now i think um it's not such a taboo subject really mm. it's interesting you say um broken family because i think the, the the framing of that has changed because i wouldn't say that any individual who uh whose parents are no longer together fallen out of love or for whatever reason are not together would be classed to be broken. I think it's probably just the sign of the times that actually things have changed and it's absolutely it's not necessarily the case. So, so that piqued my interest when you when you said yeah, but broken. probably broken is probably the wrong word because I'm I I'm, um, I was divorced mm-hmm. um, 2013. Mm-hmm. I've got two children mm-hmm. and we we both get on fantastically well, mm-hmm. um, mother and father, and we share the children. Mm-hmm. So that mm-hmm. works out terrifically well. Mm-hmm. So broken probably is the wrong word because yeah. the situation with myself and my ex-wife, yes. it's not actually broken. It's probably yes. stronger than it was. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, it's, you've sort of gone full circle. You know, uh-huh. you meet, you fall out and then you, you sort of, you, you bond again in, in different ways. Mm. So talk to me, um, because the essence of the show is, is, the, is the kindest. And as I was sort of doing a little bit of research and thinking about what kind of questions to ask, my immediate thought was, does Graham illustrates and draw for therapy what's graham's thoughts on individuals and we, we touched on the idea earlier on about questions you see me you you seem very um curious do you think um it helps to be curious in terms of the, the work that you do absolutely because i think the more curious you are the more um intelligent you can become by finding different responses from people i was saying to you earlier that i'm a little bit like a sponge you know if i talk to people i try to sort of dissect what they're saying and, and pull in bits of information that could possibly make me, you know, a better person. Um, and I think that's a good, a good trait to have really. Mm. And again, I looked back to um, those, those early years. Just give me a sort of a, a snapshot of, of those early years and, and who you are and the childhood sort of that, that you, uh, I suppose, you experienced and, and what you did, if you don't mind. Not a problem. Yeah, I mean, my childhood was, was fantastic. I had a good group of friends around me. All I did was ride my bike and play football, play football and play football. And then when it was getting dark, I would act, I would be called in and I'd go in and have my tea, have my bath and go to bed. <laughs> very, very simple lifestyle. Yes. I was always um, well looked after by my mother. Uh-huh. My father was always on hand as well, so I used to see him regularly. Yes. So it, it, it was very, very comfortable, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it was, it was a struggle for my mum. She was a buyer at ICI which was a, a massive chemical industry in, on Teesside. That was like the, the Teesside's heartland, you know. We had a, a huge steel industry and a massive chemical industry, and most people, um, mums and dads, worked within that industry. Um, and she provided, um, and I'm, I'll always be grateful to her. Mm. Uh, I lost my mum five years ago to dementia. Um, she spent the last two years in and out of various clinical hospitals and then into a care home and then that was that was the end really um my dad has now gone that way as well so mm. i think i told you before tim i'm looking mm. my dad's staying for 
couple of weeks because my stepmom has gone on a bit of a break because um, mm. she needs it, you know, mm. and uh, she's she's his carer really. At the moment. How does that make you feel? It makes me feel sad because my, my dad is he's, he's he's very out there, you know. His his personality is great. He, he sort of knows everybody, and it's just it's strange to see him in this situation. Um, but as sad as it is, you, you've got to try and overcome that, take the emotion out of it, and just. Um, enjoy the time that you that you have you know mm. and uh, i am he's, he's he's absolutely on top form so is there a fear and it, it just pops into my mind as you mentioned that is there a fear that you think gosh could i get this one day have you ever thought that it crosses my mind but i tend not to dwell mm -hmm. yeah but there, there is a, a, a sort of a doubt at the back of my mind but that's the bridge i'll cross later on in life there's no point in worrying about that now if it's not if it's not present absolutely yeah but you're right it it, it could but a lot of things could happen between now and then very much so yeah very much so and those early years where did the the drawing suddenly change from something you were good at and, and it was fun to oh i could actually get paid for this it was um school maybe GCSE years um, I had a really good art teacher who was very very uh, conscientious with me and he, I wouldn't say pushed me but he would always guide me and I think he knew that he, I could sort of possibly carve a career I, mean, I was only 14 15 16 but it's around that age where you've got to start thinking haven't you about what you could possibly do so I did me me academics GCSE A levels I did a year's foundation course in art and design, which sort of conditioned me to accept that there's other avenues you can pursue. There's fine art, there's editorial illustration, um, there's graphic design. So I, I then went on to do a degree course, um, and that was graphic design and illustration. And then the last year, I was encouraged by tutors to pursue illustration, because every brief that I tended to do, it was always quite illustrative. And again, that's just the drawing. It's if, if you're confident in doing something, then keep doing it. Interesting. Because you can then perfect that. Mm. And where does the interest in the, I suppose perhaps this is the, the, the publishing aspect, but where does the interest in the, the political satire piece come in? I think that's down to appreciating different people, different characters. I'm a little bit fascinated. Um, I'm a good people watcher. I could sit in, in here with a coffee, look out the window, and sort of study people and think, I wonder what he does, I wonder what she does. It's, it's intrigue, really, and it's something that I've always been interested in. I just love socialising. It's part of my psyche that I, I like to talk to people. I couldn't stand in the lift with three people and not say anything. The nervous energy there, is there? Yeah, not nervous, no. I'm, I'm very confident with people. Mm -hmm. if, if people like me, great. If they don't, then I'm not really that bothered, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I would want to say something, even if it's just, all right, how are you doing? Why is it's, that? Um, just to be friendly. I get that from my mum. My mum was like that. She never used to shut up. <laughs> Do you uh, like to be liked? Um, it's nice to be liked, but I don't think it's a, a necessity. No, I don't. I don't qualify that as a as a tick, really. No, no. I just I'm just myself, um, and I always will be. You know that won't change. So, what do you like drawing best then, in terms of the? caricatures of an individual Whew, good question mainly politicians because they're there to be shot at so it's nice to hold people in power to account i think that's where that comes from and i've been conditioned in my job um when i was, with, when I was at the yorkshire post to hold the powerful to account and my way of doing it is in in the form of a visual in terms of a cartoon um a picture can paint a thousand words and a lot of people have said that my cartoons can actually do that, which is very, very comforting. So what comes first? Is it the story? Is it the caricature? Is it the narrative? Or is it all, all three combined? It's all three combined. Predominantly, it's the narrative, um, depending on what angle. And I suppose when you're working for a newspaper, some, some papers have a, a p political bias. The, the one I was working at was was very balanced. It was in the middle. They were more concerned about um, right and wrong rather than right and left, which was a nice a nice uh, mantra. 
Um, so I was always given free reign to, to attack politicians, but I had to stay within, within certain boundaries. When I say attack, we're not talking a physical attack. It's, it's just uh, putting out a cartoon that can, that can provoke, uh, get a reaction, and be a little bit frivolous at times. Mm, mm. And how does, uh, how does one do that in terms of the provocation through the drawing? How are we actually illustrating that? In terms of the character itself, um, I'm, my style is, is quite, it's, it's quite harsh. You know, it's, um, it's very angular. It can be a bit aggressive. Um, and you tend to try and depict the character through, you, through your way of drawing. Um, you may be familiar with Gerald Scarf. No, Fan- please, elaborate. Yeah, elaborate. Fan- fantastic uh, political cartoonist. He would always go for the really harsh, satirical angle. And that's the sort of route I, I like to take. So I'm trying to remember now, it must have been in the probably late 80s, early 90s, the kind of spitting image. Yeah, exactly like that. That style. Yeah, Gerald Scarf produced a lot of I see. lot of visuals for the spitting image cast. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was sort of based around that that uh, way of working mm-hmm. and uh, way of um, attacking politicians, really. Mm-hmm. And what is it about a, an individual that uh, piques your interest? So are you looking for a, a bodily part that you can... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? That you can... Um, Exaggerate. Exaggerate, that's what I was looking yeah. for. Yeah, if someone's yeah. got a big nose, then uh-huh. you make sure that nose is even bigger. Interesting, <laughs> yes. If yeah. you want to be really, really mischievous, sure. if they've got big ears, do them with big ears, because mm. that's accent- accentuating their their character. Mm. Um, and obviously, if they've got a personality which isn't particularly endearing, that's when you've, you've got, you feel like you can attack a little bit more. If they're nice people, it's harder to draw them. Very interesting. Does that make sense? It just makes perfect sense. Yeah, because you think, oh, what's he ever done to me? What's she ever done to me? Why am I being so harsh? But right. if it's Boris Johnson, you think, right, okay, let's go to town on him. <laughs> He's universally unaccepted, isn't he? <laughs> Other political leaders are uh, also. Uh, <laughs> but I've, I've, well. I've met Boris Johnson, and yes. he, he fully understands that that's what political cartoonists do. Right, okay. He does have a thick skin. You know, right. You, you can see that in his political decision-making and the yes. way he conducts himself. Mm. But uh, for something like that, for him, it's just, it's the norm. You know, I, I gave him a cartoon, which he, he absolutely loved. Mm-hmm. And it was of him a, a, as a wrecking ball. Interesting. So I'm making a statement telling yes. him what I think of him. Yes. I showed him it, asked him to sign it. He paused probably for about 10 seconds and he was obviously mulling it over thinking, mm. I was thinking, oh, what's he going to say? Mm. He went, I love it. <laughs> which tells you a lot about the man himself, doesn't very it? Much so. <laughs> yeah, very much so. He, he, whichever sort of political um, affiliation you have, there are certain individuals that you can't unfortunately deny that they are and hold personality. They hold credibility, whichever way you actually view them. And he holds, he has what I would call charisma, rightly or wrongly. Um, And I think that's probably something that is good for you as a, as a cartoonist or as as someone. Yeah. He's he's a crusader, you know, he doesn't really care what, what people think. He's just got no, no care for himself. Really. You just have to look at his appearance. Yes. You know, he, he can't be bothered to brush his hair. Um, but an interesting one, when I actually met him in, in, in office, I could, I was briefed to wait outside the room and I could see through the door. He was, he was just, he was on his phone and then he put his phone down. And then as I went through the door, he quickly sort of got into character. He, he, he formed this like strange hunch and then ruffled his hair to make him look a little bit more disheveled and unkempt. Interesting. And I thought, that's weird. So he's, he's playing a role. And I think he plays that role for different people. Very interesting. So depending on which political leader he's meeting overseas, he might adapt, adopt a different, a different persona. Do you not think, though, that in doing so, you are, yes, I get it, playing many characters and many roles, one then has to then try and find who is the real Boris Johnson in this instance? You, you end up finding yourself thinking, well, hang about, He's one person to one person and another to another. Yeah. I'm sure he's acted like that with hundreds of people he's met, you right. know, that what I've just explained. Yeah. But I, I just think that this, this party gate investigation sort of sums him up really, I think. And I think he's, he's on a hide into nothing really. Mm. His, his days are numbered. So the, the last 10 or so cartoons I did of him was pretty much the beginning at the end, you know, he's, he's getting more and more and more and more beaten up. And, and his nose was getting longer. I used to do his, every lie he told. So my next cartoon, 
his nose would be a little bit longer, which right. is quite a nice, a nice narrative, so the continuing I'm, theme. I'm assuming, sorry to interrupt you, I'm assuming then that you're very much politically read or you, or you, you view the news on a, on a daily, regular, regular basis to get an understanding of what's going on in the world. Absolutely, Tim. I think it's important to do that. Otherwise, mm. your cartoon, it, it, it won't carry any, any, any gravitas, really. You've got to study what, you, what your subject is. Um, so I'm pretty much on my phone quite a lot, you know, just looking at, at news feeds and what, what's breaking. Now, what's your view on the news? Because my view is the news, in some instances, is not new. The news is not new. The news is what is being published by whichever particular platform you are consuming that news on. Yeah, agreed. So, yeah. The, so the channel or platform which you consume your content, one could argue, is giving you effectively... The, the information that they would want you to, uh, to receive. That's right. I mean, th- there are news channels which do actually relay the news as it should be, but there's other channels, um, we won't mention any, but they do have a political bias and it's geared towards um, saturating that market and almost brainwashing the, 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 the public to an extent. Um, sometimes it's good to switch the news off completely and just not not look at it for a few days, but... In my line of work, it's, it's hard to do that because mm. you, you do need to, to keep abreast of what's happening. Otherwise, you'll, I always think I'll, I'll get left behind and I don't want to do that. I always like to be one step ahead sure, to a degree. So what inspires you to, uh, to draw? Great question. Um, again, it goes back to the therapy. I think it's quite, it's quite nice. It, it's, it's peaceful. Um, it's creative in the sense that you can draw what you want how you want. So sometimes I, I think my style of uh, illustration is typical of my personality. Um, I like to be communicative. I like to be social. I like to be out there. I'm quite, I'm quite spontaneous. So my style is not controlled. There are illustrators out there who work quite tight. And I would imagine, I guess, that they're quite introvert. So they don't reveal too much. So I think your style of drawing can persuade people what type of character you are. And that is then illustrated in the illustration itself? Yes. Through the broad strokes or through yeah. the... I yeah. see. So I've got a, a distinct technique. I, I use a little black ink pot and a, a mapping pen. And the mapping pen's quite sharp and it's like, it's, it's really, really fine on the end. But if you just flick it a bit, you get an effect, you get ink splatting. And I think that's my way of being expressive. Interesting. Um, and it doesn't matter. Some people would think, oh, you've made a mistake, you've spilt a bit of ink. I see that as a, as a, as a, a mark of um, who I am. So do you draw on um, canvas or paper, or is it very much digital now on iPad? It's on stuff called Bristol board, Bristol board which is like, it's paper in effect, but it's got a, like a, a plastic sheen across it. So when I use these mapping pens, they almost sort of glide. So again, we're back to the technique, which is reflective of, of personality, quite spontaneous. Have you got better over the years or has your style changed over the years based on the news and the world in which we live in now? I've got a little bit more experimental, a bit more confident. So brush strokes, ink strokes now are a little bit freer compared to probably a couple of years ago. That's just confidence in, in, in ability. And it's a bit like if you kick a football around and you keep doing it and you keep doing it, you keep, you're going to get better. So it's a bit like that, really. So the... Uh nature of the show is kindness. Yeah. And I've asked many guests before their views on this, and I'm fascinated by their responses, and I'm hoping that the, the listeners who listen to this get a real sense of, of difference. And certainly from someone who is, works within the industry that you work in, I'd be absolutely delighted for you to give me your response to the first question, which is what does kindness mean to you? Kindness to me means, in a nutshell, thinking of others, not yourself. Um, just do not be selfish um, and just divert your attention to others who, who are probably in, in more need, really. 
um, whether that be offering advice, offering to help them in some way, um, just down tools and appreciate what others are going through, really. Have you ever experienced a lack of kindness? And if so, when was that? Ooh, what a question that is. Um, not really, no. I've, I've always sort of associated with people who have been kind to me because I've been kind to them, you know, if that makes sense. I've had instances where people have been rude to me, but I've never really had an issue where people have been unnecessarily unkind in adult life. In school, was was slightly different. Um, I was obviously one of the smallest in the class. You used to get picked on. I wouldn't say bullied, because I always sort of hung around with the kids that wouldn't say did the bullying, but could sort of look after themselves a little bit. So I was always in a in a comfortable environment. Um, my way of sort of dealing with unkindness is to be quite self-deprecating, if that makes sense. I find that easier to to, to sort of um, adhere to, really. And is that, a, a, is that a, a, a protective mechanism on your part? I think you could say that, yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's just a way of deflecting the issue without it, it sort of ongoing and ongoing. You, you could just dip it in the bud quickly by just accepting whatever someone's opinion is. Um, sometimes it's easier to do that, I think, than, than drag something out. So... I'm not sure, I'm sure you are, but I was, going to say, I was about to say, I'm not sure if you're aware, but I'm, I'm absolutely sure you are aware. The uh, the recent Oscars that were on, and um, for those who hadn't seen it, the, the instance where the recent Oscars were on and there was um, um, a host who was, like most hosts at the Oscars, it was giving sort of an introductory uh, speech uh, about one of the audience members, uh, Will Smith and, and his wife. I did say it, yeah. Yeah, and, and then um, Will Smith took offence to that and, and then walked up on stage and hit the comedian, a uh, gentleman by the name of Chris Rock. Chris Rock, yeah. Again, for those of you who are not familiar with this, you can go on to um, YouTube or, or type that in. It seems to me now that opinions are held so high in regard that if you have an opinion, that opinion can't be challenged to an extent. And I wanted to know your thoughts on this instance. Yeah, yeah. And also your view on politicizing through your work and how you feel as if, do you think, or rather, do you think that people should be held accountable for their, their actions in the form of illustration or, or comedy in this instance. Absolutely, but there are boundaries. You know, I, th I think what Chris Rock said was totally out of order. You know, I, I don't agree with what he said um, to Will Smith's uh, wife. thought that was poor form. I think Will Smith had every right, really, to, to do what he did, but thinking that situation it would have been better dealt with away from the public eye um whereby they could have i don't know diffused the situation elsewhere as opposed to on what is a very very manufactured stage in front of the whole world and it's just everything gets amplified but i'm not condoning what um Chris Rock did because I just thought it was totally unacceptable uh, will smith you mean uh, sorry not uh, chris will rock smith, yeah will smith well, did. yeah and, well, uh, both really. Obviously, right. the the derogatory remark mm -hmm. towards his wife was unacceptable, mm -hmm. and I think what Will Smith did was he he overstepped the mark a little bit, yeah, mm. just because of the situation and how it could be perceived and amplified. It's polarized opinion. Mm? When you ask individuals about this particular instance, there are huge schools of thought in terms of. He didn't know, was in Chris Rock, Will Smith has other issues going on, et cetera, et cetera. What's piqued my interest more so than the actual um, event itself is what's come on from that. Mm. And that always piques my interest in terms of how an event, it's not necessarily the event that is the one that continues on in people's memories. It's the actual ongoing storytelling. Um, but I wanted to go touch on the, the point about um, yourself and being accountable for your work. What are your thoughts on the work that you do and whether or not you feel that people should be held accountable for their work? I think everybody's got 
you know, we, it, we live in a in a democracy, so you are entitled to you know to voice your opinion. Um, whatever your political beliefs are, then I think you should be able to to talk about them, to um, to antagonise, to defend. Um, but in my line of work with my drawing, I, I'm always conscious that I don't go too far. Uh, where is that line? That that line is definitely somewhere b below what Chris Rock said. Um, but mine is more fun rather than um, aggressive, if that makes sense. It's just it's just below. There's certain there's there's cartoonists out there that really do overstep the mark and they get themselves into hot water end up in court it's, it's just not worth it you just got to be you just got to box clever really and, and get the tone right tone's vital in, in in any cartoon whether you're doing something that's poignant or whether you're doing something that's attacking a politician's um beliefs again what's interesting to me is that you talked about the, the tone there but akin to a cartoon or comedy it's how the audience interprets that particular piece of work in this instance that you may have drawn or illustrated or the joke that's been told. Now, I think, I think, go on. I think that's down to personal tolerance levels. Um, what we think is bad, some people might think it's fine. Again, it, that's down to th that particular individual and their ways of thinking. So where does the barometer sit then? Because my, my point being is that if we are all able to now say what we want when we want, because we can, then what's stopping someone saying, well, you know what, Graham, I didn't like that picture you, you drew of, of Boris. I'm going to go and slap you in the face. What's stopping that kind of there's, activism? There's nobody stopping, stopping them doing that. Um, I would obviously try and defend myself and say, well, I think you're out of order for, for trying to slap me in the face, but they're entitled to that opinion. If someone says, oh, I don't like that picture of Boris, you, you, you've got that way off the mark, you, you've, you've been unnecessarily cruel or whatever, I'd, I'd accept that. But for everyone that says that, there'll be somebody who says, I think that's absolutely spot on. So when you say about a barometer, it's very, very difficult. I think it's just down to personal judgment and having the, the acumen to to consider what's acceptable. I, I agree in principle. However, I, I do believe that although we have individual choice and preference, there needs to be a barometer of sorts because what's going to happen then is going to, everyone's going to be in it for themselves. Unless someone says, you know what, I think that's what happened. I think he, um, Will Smith, that is, I think he was, been, he's been banned from, from the Oscars, I believe, for a number of years. So that was them saying, this is, a, it, this is an, unacceptable in this instance. Um, and the reason I was thinking that was because I saw later on after that event that there was a recent tennis match where an individual had lost a, a tennis match. And then after the game had finished, where most tennis players go up to the net and they shake hands, one of these individuals had gone up to the net and then basically had, had slapped uh, their opponent. So I wonder if this types of behaviour, which to me I think is shocking. Well, that, that is completely unacceptable. Absolutely, yeah. Irrespective of how the game has gone, Correct. it's a game. Mm. You know, you're competing. So have the decency and the dignity to shake hands at the end or... Or just pass comment. You, mm. Know? Mm. you don't need to slap somebody in the face. Yeah. So it's just that's why I thought Will Smith's reaction was. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. He, in that, in that sense, yeah. It's a tricky one because he's, he's defending his, his his wife, you know. And, but but the, yeah, resorting but, to physical violence is is on a barometer is is overstepping the mark. Definitely. I agree. I agree. There are other schools of thought, and we, we don't need to go into too much more detail about this. But about his relationship with his uh, with his wife and what's gone on there. Hmm. And so we, we don't know what's going on in individuals' heads. We don't yeah. know what's going on um, with the backstories. But all we see as, as the audience members is something that happened and was, as I see it, wrong. Yeah. And, and I think that's where it should stand, as in a very simple barometer of right or wrong. Yeah, that, it, it's um, not hard to distinguish on that yeah, one, is it? You just yeah. think he shouldn't have done that. And I don't think Chris Rock should have said what he said as well. Interesting, so. interesting. Um, Even though he's a comedian and he, no, like, he's, yeah. like me, in, a, in, in essence, he's... he's Pushing the boundaries, I think that was that was a low blow. I didn't I didn't like that. Mm, mm. On to a, a perhaps a, a lighter note <laughs> than, than the Oscars. Um, what um, kind of films do you like uh, 
watching, obviously talking about the Oscars there, nice gentle segue. What kind of films do you, uh, do you like to watch? Wow. Um, well, my favourite trilogy is The Godfather. Okay. I love, I'm, I'm slightly intrigued by gangster films, if I'm honest. It's, is it it's the pathology very, behind it? It's is very it? cliched, but I, I just like the atmospherics. I like the settings. I like the characters. What's your favourite In a way, it? I like bad guys. But, but that's a bit of escapism, though. I wouldn't want to be a gangster as such. But yes. they are very, very intriguing films, aren't they? There's just just to sort of appreciate the lifestyle for, for what it is. Yes. Um, but obviously, if you were in that lifestyle, it would be actually terrifying. I wouldn't want to walk down the street having to look over my shoulder every two minutes in case I'm going to get whacked. <laughs> very much so, yeah, very much so. But it's nice to just sit back with a beer, get your feet up and just think, oh, yeah, nice suit, nice car. Nice nightclub. You, you know? know, there is a pathology of the bad guys, isn't there, or the, or the crime villain. Mm. They seem to be um, archetypes of the alter ego that we all perhaps would want to um, live, you know, the fast, the furious lifestyle. Yet we all dare not to because of the risk of what yeah. happens with that lifestyle as well. Um, and goodness, yeah, I, I'm trying to think of films that sort of would be uh, characteristic of that. Um, Carlito's Way is is, Perfect. is, a, is a great example of that. If, if those listening have, have not uh, heard of that film or that gangster film. Great Any film. of the Godfathers that you mentioned there as well. Have you watched A Bronx Tale? Yes, wonderful. Yeah. That's quite heartwarming, isn't it? It is, yeah. And for those of you listening... Um, it's it's deemed as a gangster flick. It is, but yeah. It's not. It's not more really. of a personal story. Very much so. It's another yeah. Robert De Niro um film where and i hope i don't sort of ruin this or not tell the story correctly but my understanding he plays a working man and um his son um grows up seeing his dad as a working man i believe he's a bus driver yet on the flip side you've got the the, the local gangster who his son almost idolizes and sees like you know dad why you know why don't you want to be a gangster <laughs> and robert Niro basically tells him i'm a working man there's nothing wrong with being a working mm. man yet he sees this gangster and the local gangster giving out gifts and money and there's a real sort of uh, conflict of interest definitely there now I, I certainly agree with you in terms of um liking um, those types of films it, it says more about the character story i suppose definitely i think i think i like any character with a bit of devilment which is probably a little bit like myself in my in my line of work. Mm. I'm, I'm pushing boundaries, but I'm not going around, you know, importing cocaine and shooting people. <laughs> but that, that's the back to levels again. You know what's acceptable? Clearly, in that lifestyle, nothing's yeah. acceptable. Yeah. But when you sat on your sofa watching it, you think, yeah, that's pretty cool. <laughs> Imagine if you will, you know, in that era where you've got somebody like yourself who would work for a local um, paper or publishing organization, let's say in the twenties, yeah. let's say in America or New York, imagine if you were, you were following these individuals, right? Obviously now we live in a world of content and social media where you can have videographers following you around. But imagine if you will, you know, the idea that they've got someone like yourself following these characters around Al Capone around, illustrating and drawing. What an opportunity that would be. Well, I wouldn't dare draw him. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think I would. Honestly, you, Again, it's back to the old looking over your shoulder again. It, there's times, funnily enough, um, I've drawn I've drawn Putin, and the back of my mind, I'm thinking, if he ever saw this, would he send someone to to come and hunt me down? It's it's a strange thought, but you just never know. If I was offered to go for a cup of tea with him, I think I'd turn that down. <laughs> <laughs> Goodness me, yeah, it's, uh, it's illustrating can or could be a risky business. Yeah, you, you always think when you're drawing someone, I wonder what they think of this. You know, that's a lot of my characters I've drawn. I've 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 handed the artwork over to the to the actual person, and they've they generally appreciate it. They do they do like it. Graham, People, I'm getting a sense uh, there is a moral compass there, right within you. And I sense this through listening to you. Uh, and I, I wanted to know where this moral compass comes from. You know, um, you, you say you draw people, you know, if I don't like them, I, uh, it helps me draw them. Yeah, on the flip side, there is an element of morality there that says, I wonder what they might actually feel like drawing this. Where, where does this come from? Yeah, I mean, you've got to be respective of, of feelings, but I think people in the public eye... Um, they are very, very thick-skinned, like I alluded to before. So it doesn't, in the grand scheme of things, a cartoon of, of them shouldn't really resonate too much with them. It wouldn't worry them too much. It's just something that they would just bat away. A lot of politicians actually love being portrayed, um, whether it be good or bad, because they're actually being recognised. Um, so the levels of cruelty aren't necessarily 
um, an issue for them. They're just happy that someone's actually, you know, portrayed them, really. Interesting. We were, we were all, uh, I think, ego-driven in, in some instances. That's a good word, yeah. And um, I think Anybody in the public eye, particularly in politics, mm. a lot are, you know, egotistical. So they are happy that someone is noticing them whether it be for the right or the wrong reasons. Yeah, very much so, very much so. Um, I wanted to, if I may, um, take you on to uh, our second question I ask our, our, our guests. And um, I've often said this before I ask the question, effectively, is it might sound quite morbid. However, for me, it's, it's a retrospective question and one in which it allows you to sort of take stock of who you are and, and who you would think others uh, would think of you. And the question is, if you were to die tomorrow, mm. what would you do differently to be the kindest in the room? Ooh, wow. Ooh, so I've got, what, 24 hours to live, pretty much. And I'm at this situation now, so I'd obviously assemble my immediates, um, talk to them, come down here, have some coffee, go up to La Feria, have some chicken and chips. Just have a bit of a bit of a gathering, a bit of a get together, but it would be obviously immediate family and and close friends, um, just to, to have a bit of a party, really, to say farewell. Does that make sense? It does make sense, and I, th I can't really think of anything else that I would I would want to do. I wouldn't want to whiz off somewhere just to see. So I, it would I'd need people around me, and the the people around me would be the ones that I I care for and love, and. Um... You touched on the sort of food element there and bringing people close to yeah, you. Yeah, it's basics. Mm. It's just coffee, chat, simple food, mm. simple environments, mm -hmm. nothing lavish. Mm. I'm not, it's not, it's not me. It would, it would be false if I did anything different. What do you think you'll be most remembered for if you were to die tomorrow? For being a funny guy. Just a, a cheeky chappy, really. Someone who, who wants to look after people and wants others to do well before himself. That's generally what I'm about, really. I, I am a very kind-hearted soul um, and I'm very appreciative of, of others, really. And I like to try and make, feel, make, make people feel good about themselves. I think that's a very good trait. Me, personally, I'm quite quite self-deprecating, which I quite, I quite enjoy sort of taking the mick out of myself. I don't take myself too seriously. The seriousness comes in, in my, my line of work and when I'm talking to others about issues. So, correct me if I'm wrong, serious Graham comes and is um, manifested through your work, yet you are, your, your true self is this, Cheeky, chappy, fun-loving individual yeah, as well. Yeah, definitely. I can be fun-loving, but I could also be serious. I can also sit and listen and talk and have quite you know, heartfelt conversations with people who, who need them, whether it be my children, my partner, my parents, my friends. You know, there's... there's I think what's brilliant now in society, because I... I was it, it was about 10 years ago, I used to... I, I'm... In my line of work, I'm, I think I'm a perfectionist. Um, I would finish an artwork, then I'd go to bed, and I probably wouldn't sleep because I'd be worried about whether or not the artwork looked right or not. So I would just get up in the middle of the night and then go and finish a little bit more. Elements of OCD, I would, I would say. So I've suffered that. I've suffered anxiety. I was, I was depressed for a couple of years, way back in 2013. Um, that was after... Um, a marriage split, but the the common problem wasn't to do with the marriage split. That was something that I dealt with, but I was worrying about worrying. It was weird. And that's just a situation now that's quite, quite commonplace. And I think it's brilliant how guys in particular, men in particular, are, are able to, to open up and talk about stuff like that now. Because 10 years ago, I remember breaking down at work, just crying my eyes out, went into the cubicle in the toilets and just thought, what, what's what's wrong with me? What, what's going on here? First thing I did was went to the doctors because that's what you do. Because if you need help, you need to go and see the doctor. Um, did that, put on, on some tablets and then 
within a couple of years, it sort of it sort of evaporated. But the, you're always aware that it could come and come and haunt you again. Really, it's just like this this cloud of anxiety sort of hovering above you, and you couldn't I couldn't shake it off. Whereas now, I'm a, my personality's changed for the better, a little bit more positive, a bit more upbeat, and just ready to attack anything that's thrown in front of me. Mm. So I've dealt with divorce, death, um, and it's just something that you know it's going to happen. Um, whereas something that's out of your control is a little bit more alarming. But thankfully, you know, people are opening up more. Um, I think social media's helped in that way. In that respect, it, it's a good thing. People aren't afraid as much now to to open up. If even if someone wants to type a message, they're still getting their feelings out there, even though they you know they, they, they can remain anonymous. Mm. So help is there, but mm -hmm. uh, in something as, as clinical as that, I would always just advise people to go and see a doctor. Yes, yes, yeah. It's um, oh, your friends, very much so. Yeah, I mean, friends are everything, aren't they? You mm -hmm. know, friends and family. I mean, God, what would we do without them? Goodness, you know, it's one of those things where, um, as you said, the. Uh, I'm not sure about the statistics, but I'm sure it's, you know, men under the age of 45 are most likely to commit suicide. Um, there is, I'm sure, an exact figure, but it's it's frightening mm. in terms of um, that level of concern that would lead someone to that, to that in, um, obviously, uh, behaviour. Um, but the good news, as you said, is that people are now opening up. People, yeah, are it's, it's so refreshing. You know, yeah, it's it's brilliant. You know, any type of person, you know, big burly guy, he can, he can open up to to people now, and it's it's good to see. It is it is really refreshing, and uh, long may that continue. The more people talk, the more people can be can be helped. Yeah, very much so. Very much so. Uh, Graham, what one piece of advice would you give someone to live a kinder life? Again, it just goes back to think of others before yourself. Um, simple statement, but it'll it'll forever ring 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 true with me. Um, if people in, are in need, try to help. It's not always possible because you, you might need that help yourself. But always try and think of others and uh, put yourself um, after them. Never a truer word said. Absolute pleasure. Absolute pleasure talking today. I know we were, it was very short notice. Uh, no, it's fine. It was, it was... Um, you've um, certainly made me think about um, a lot of things, actually. Um, just you know, Life in general, you know, family, etc. Um, and I hope those of you listening out there do take time to think about what we've just said and, and, and the words that Graham's uh, spoken about today as well and one thing i wanted to again to just to lift the mood a little bit uh, if you don't mind um the basics of drawing uh initially <laughs> what uh top one two or three tips could you could you give our listeners in terms of um, how to draw the perfect uh, caricature right I'll, i also do pet portraits right oh, right okay so this 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 basic fundamental applies to drawing dogs cats and personalities good reference absolutely key so if you're drawing a, a particular character i.e boris johnson theresa may putin study them watch them on tv watch what they look like from the side from the other side from the back from the front how they sort of conduct themselves in public what mannerisms they have um just observe and and absorb that information um if you do that you well, you can go wrong if you if you don't do it often enough. Um, you, you're well on the way to producing a good a good cartoon. With the dogs, which I draw, I do a lot of pet portraits. I wouldn't say get into character, but just appreciate <laughs> the animal. You, you've seen my dog in here, you know, and I always bring Coco in here, and just have that same um, level of intrigue. With the with an animal as you do with with a with a human, um, I'm an animal lover, so I'm obviously going to pay a lot of attention to to the pet portraits that I do. That's that's a bit of a, a labour of love. I love I love doing the pet portraits. It's a nice element of escapism, really. It's a bit like going back to watching the gangster flicks. You know, I love drawing pets, and do I do a lot of pet portraits for people. So that's something that's 
completely different to cartoons and caricatures and particularly political ones. But in a way, it, it, you've got to attack the, 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 the subject in the same, the same way. Sure. Yeah, so sure. good reference. Uh -huh. that's, that's the key, good reference. And just my, again, my own interest, do you draw the face first, the eyes first? Where's, where's the sort of starting point? With the it? pets. If you get the eyes right, you can't really go wrong. Okay. <laughs> the same applies to, 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 to drawing people, really. Eyes, you can tell a lot of, a lot of about people with, with the eyes, can't you? Yeah, no, very much so. Yeah, that, that's what you're instantly drawn to, I think. And then the other features just sort of fall into place. You've heard it here first. Listen, Graham, where, where can people reach out to you, whether it's a website or any social media sort of platforms that you're on at the moment? So tomorrow I've got a website so that, up and uh, running. That and date that, was the uh, the 26th of, of April. Yep, uh, so it will be www.grahambandera.co.uk. And on that site, there's a broad range of, of stuff. There's caricatures, there's political cartoons, there's sporting cartoons, there's pet portraits. Um, so I'll be officially up and running tomorrow. Fantastic. Well, listen, Which will, will be, yeah, the 26th of uh, May. April. Yeah, April. Is it? Oh, God, uh, yeah. April. Do you know, this year is, um, actually, sometimes I think to myself, talking past tense because people listen, this year was flying by uh, and the months were flying by. Um, but listen, it's been an absolute pleasure. Oh, it's been uh, brilliant. Tim. You Loved have it, been mate. the kindest in the room today. <laughs> and um, it, again, it has been a pleasure talking to you. And uh, I wish you all the very best of success in the future, which I'm sure is certainly coming your way as well. Oh, thank you. Great. Thanks, buddy. Take care. Pleasure, mate. Thank Bye -bye. you very much. are on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365 day returns Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.